everyone. Thanks for listening to RTE Radio 1's The Rolling Wave podcast with me, Aoife Nick My guest in this episode is Piper Mick O'Brien, who together with Emer Mayock and Aoife Niverian have just released their second volume of tunes collected by Canon James Goodman in Munster in the 19th century. The album is called More Tunes from the Goodman Manuscripts and here's a taste of the opening track. O'Brien, tell me a little bit about Canon James Goodman. And uh, he was a canon of the Church of Ireland. He was a piper. He was a professor of Irish in Trinity College Dublin. So he was a very interesting man. Tell me a little bit about him. Well, from what we've gleaned is that, first of all, he was born in a little polyamine near Ventry in, in Corcogreen, in the Gwaltacht area. And obviously a Protestant minister from Protestant background. But the beauty about this is that he had the language he was also a piper. He was a singer. Pale played a bit in the flute, and by all accounts, it seems that he, you know, throughout his life, they had, he had a great relationship with the Muinton Hodge, the, the people around the area, and as a result, then, but having the obviously the education, having the, the ability to write down music, and also the fact that he played the music and he understood the music, meant that he could go around and collect music in his own area. And all around Munster, apparently, and uh, from the musicians, which actually is a bit of um, an exception because the collectors generally come from outside. But he was actually a collector of music from his own area, like Brandon Brannock, uh, you know, collected music all over Ireland. He collected from different musicians that came to Dublin. O'Neill is a classic example. Any musicians that went to to Chicago, obviously, he collected music from them. And he had all other people working for him, but Goodman actually collected music from the area and he was living there himself, you know, which is probably unique. And we're going to talk about lots of different things about the collection in a second, but that notion of him being a musician as well and being especially being a piper collecting tunes from a man we'll talk about in a minute, but a, a piper. When you look at the tunes, what difference did that make, do you think, or what, uh, what impact did that have on his collecting and on his writing of the tunes? Well... You know, if you if you look at the tunes, like so, the first edition is mainly tunes from the local area, from local sources, from the oral sources around him, and the second would be tunes, and obviously he he would have taken tunes from different collections as well. But the tunes that he gets from the local area, um, I think for for a piper, I'm look, I'm playing through now, not all of them, but I'm playing through some of these tunes, and you see, like. They fit easily on the pipes, like the ornamentation that you would use in the pipes, cranning and the back these and the, you know triplets and all. They seem to fall easy into these tunes, as if like they were made for them. Now again, not all, but like some of the jigs there, like up the carry lasses, like they're absolutely beautiful tunes on the pipes. Now they're beautiful tunes, beautiful melodies anyway, but something like that to think wow there yeah it just it actually does make sense that he's actually collected from a lot of pipers you know
I say, he was a piper and he took, uh, he, he wrote down an awful lot of tunes from a man called Thomas Kennedy from Ventry. Uh, tell me about what we know about Thomas Kennedy and how many tunes did he take or did he did he notate from Thomas Kennedy? Well, Thomas Kennedy seemed to be, have been his main source of, of, of tunes as one of the local musicians and maybe three or four hundred tunes he got from, from Kennedy. But the thing was that <clears throat> being the being one of the local musicians and then I think Kennedy himself changed uh, changed religion uh, because he was being supported by by Goodman you know and um, he was being well looked after and apparently Goodman was very good to the local people actually which kind of made it easier for him to mingle among the people and actually collect music because he was newly considered one of their own when he was so um, that that was a great benefit and bonus for him, you know, collecting. And the K tunes, the so-called K tunes in the first uh, volume, what does the K refer to then? Well, the K refers to um, music from the local oral sources, right? Um, so whether it was the song tunes from the local singers or music played by the local musicians, that's really what that's what he, he's talking about here. And then, now, if you look at the manuscript, the manuscripts they're actually written down the, the tunes are written down fairly basic form so there's no ornamentation or no variations or whatever that might have been played so you just it's written down just the melody exactly mm. Aoife, yeah and of course it'd be it'd be lovely if you could hear some of those local musicians playing those tunes today and to see what ornamentations they might have used, would they have played them the same the second or third time around? Would they put in or you know variations, and like even simple the simple things like rhythm. What rhythms would they have? You know, like you can play reels and jigs, like various different rhythms and speeds and that kind of thing. So it'd be interesting to see. Of course, you can't write that down, and there's no indication really. Maybe he might say uh, airs had to be played slowly and whatever. You know, so he gives little indications like that but uh, it would be lovely to actually hear the, these musicians and say well oh yeah now I can I can hear a difference tunes of the Munster Pipers, it's Kerry, uh, Kerry Cork music. But the types of tunes are very interesting because it's not all polkas and slides, which, you know, is a big part of the repertoire now. So that in itself gives us an insight into the changing sort of face of music, doesn't it? It does, actually. And actually, uh, there's very few polkas and slides, actually. But there's a couple of quadrilles thrown in. There's a lot of reeds, jigs, hornpipes, really, in, in the collection. And uh, there's also a lot of small little tunes, like Eight bars of a tune, like for instance, Pardic People, loads of small little tunes like that. And you're thinking, and of course, beside Pardic People, all is written down in the book is that song air. So these are small little songs that maybe children might have had, you know, for, for games or something like that. 
you know, I mentioned that to Brandon, Brandon Begley, and he said, Mick, we've never heard any of these, like a lot of these tunes, we've just never heard them before. And he's from the area, like, well, that part of Corcoguina, obviously they could have came from anywhere in Munster, you know, but uh, like, these are, these are beautiful little tunes, only eight bars. And it's fascinating as well because the local accent is so important in them because they're so hugely different, say, from the music of Schlievluchra, which is just the other side of the county. So it's a photo of a sort of a, of small areas. Yeah, well, that's that's the that's the case. Like even their Ratnock of Andrew is a song that they have in their like, local area in, let's say, Corcoguina. But yet when I listened or when I, when I played through first, I kind of could hear Sean Corcoran singing this version. Now, Sean Corcoran, as we know, is from Loud. So he probably collected it from that region. So you, you just never know. Like, But again, it's the same it's the same tune. And again, that was a K tune, which means it comes from the local sources, you know. Mm. Something very interesting, of course, about uh, Goodman is the years he was live and it, the years he was working because he was uh, born in 1826, I think. So he was pre-famine and then he lived right through till after the famine. So I think I heard Nicholas Carolyn somewhere say that it's a bit like having a, a fibre optic cable to send back to pre-famine Ireland or pre-famine Munster. It, it, would you see it that way? Is is Would you agree? Abs- absolutely, yeah. And um, it's probably he had uh, maybe... 10, 15 year period where he was very active in, in collecting uh, say in the 40s onwards and then I think it was since the late 60s uh, 67 or something that he went to uh, Abbey Strury from, from there then in Skibbereen then he was a professor of Irish in Trinity College and at that stage like probably with his workload that he had stopped collecting the music or stopped actively collecting music in the field so it was that timeline and if you can imagine like that this is time the time of the famine you know before and after the famine like it mustn't have been easy it won for the musicians themselves you know even if they were still you know they must have been on Gonquage they they didn't have an awful lot and uh, so the fact that he's actually after collecting that music is amazing and when you think of the, the decimation of that population, that this is all music that would have been just totally lost had had he not had the foresight to, to write it down, possibly. Oh, oh absolutely, yeah. Um, I think there's 2,000, over 2,000 tunes, isn't there, in the in, in the whole collection? Yeah, both collections. And then, obviously, they have the songs as well, which, which are being worked on at the moment. But uh, so, like, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of music. Now, again, some of them came from other collections, not a huge amount, but some of them did, and the rest of them were from from the local area. This CD that you have uh, made with uh, Emer Mayock and uh, your daughter Ifni Vrian, uh, more tunes from the Goodman collection. Um, I just want to talk about some of the tunes in it because there are some tunes in it that people might ri- recognise the the titles maybe or, or or bits or some of the melodies, but there are also things that, as you say, Brandon O'Bugley never heard before. There's a whole load of new discoveries in here as well. Was that good fun for you? So sitting down and finding these these gems and kind of bringing them out again. Well, the way it is. You know, is that you, you start off and we've Aoife, Emer and and myself, we've lists of tunes where you go through it one week and you say, Yeah, we pick out you might pick out a hundred tunes and you say, Yeah, I really love those. That's they're really nice. And you play down through them and say, Nah, not too sure about that one, and not too sure about that one. And then when three of us came together, we had interesting enough, we had a lot of tunes that the three of us had picked, you know, in common. And it says, oh, OK, that's that's a good that's a good start. So we, we looked at those and then we say, well, OK, how do we put them together with another tune? 
and that then became a problem. Then, you know, so tunes that you thought were fantastic at the beginning, nah, they don't suit anywhere. So you pick, end up picking another one. Oh, I didn't see this one before. And then, oh, that's that's a beauty, you know. So it's it's one of those things that like it's nearly considered like you know when you listen to an album for a first for you for the first time, you might oh track seven that's my favorite track, and after a week or two weeks. Track seven is not your favourite track at all. Track one is, you know, and it's like that. It's when the music grows on you and you get into that space in your head, you know, because we're listening to music all day long. You turn on the radio, whatever. But I, I listen to a lot of music. You know, when you start trying to pick tunes here, it's like, OK, now we've listened to these before. Then you the second week, the third week and a month later and you come back to it six months later. And well, your ears changed your your whole ideas of the tunes. There's so many tunes in it, but obviously the the, the tunes, the real, really beautiful melodies stand out, and probably ones that go nice on the pipes as well. I'd be kind of mm. trying to push forward a little bit you'd more. Be, <laughs> <laughs> you'd be advocating but, for those. Yeah, exactly. But like so, and then you'd hear something say, "Oh, Jesus, that is really sound nice on the whistles." Like, and one example would be your know, track five, "Party People" and the quadrille. And of course, in the quadrille, uh, that particular tune, when I played through it first, I thought, wow, that sounds Galician to me. And I love Galician music and Breton music. But that just, I couldn't hear it any other way except on a whistles, you nice know, and light, two whistles and maybe the fiddle, playing this like something that you'd hear from Carlos Nunez or whatever. That to me, I couldn't hear it on the pipes, I couldn't hear anything else because it was that light kind of Galician sound of of the Muniera, which is their jig, you know, and uh, that's what I, that's what I heard. And the trio, yourself and Emer and, and Aoife, um, this is the second volume as such of these recordings because you, you made another CD that came out in 2016. Where did the idea come from in the first place to sit down with these collections and, and make that recording? Well, the idea, first of all, came from a programme we did with Peter Brown and it was Emer, uh, Emer Mayock himself, Tommy Hayes, Bowron, Neil Martin and Cello. And we, Peter was doing a programme for, for radio and he picked out tunes actually and asked us would we uh, learn them and come in and record them which we did for the programme and uh, I think Zoe Conway was part of that and sorry and Zoe, uh, Zoe as well, yeah. yeah Zoe was there yeah Zoe was there as well um, and really loved it I really enjoyed it first of all I love kind of learning new stuff and trying out bits and pieces but Peter had picked some beautiful tunes actually from the manuscript. You know, of course, Peter being a piper and musician, that he is a great, is a great uh, understanding of the music, and he had a great understanding of Kerry music as well. Actually, so that was the start of it. And then we were Peter had asked us to do a, a concert in the concert hall a couple of years later, and Zoe unfortunately wasn't able, so we invited Aoife to come along with us. So it was myself, Emer, and and Aoife. But we put, we went through even though we were to play maybe twenty minutes in the concert, we we spent couple of weeks maybe you know and then we come back together and a couple of weeks later we'd, we'd spend another you know weekend or whatever but we were always working and passing each tunes to each other and we ended up nearly with an hour's music and we said well 
why would we waste this? Why not just make an album as well? And uh, we did. And then we had like we had an hour and a half music, really. And so we could then pick and choose. And then it was a matter of just going into the, the studio and, and recording it. And that's actually where they came from. Well, and a, a good job it did too. <laughs> and, volu- <laughs> and, and if you've 2,300 tunes to, to choose from, there's no, there's always a chance there might be volume three, I'd say. But we'll, we'll, we'll live well, with volume yeah. two for the moment. <laughs> exactly, exactly. exactly. Um, when Goodman died, because uh, the, the manuscripts weren't published during his lifetime. So what happened to the manuscripts when he died then? Well, the Goodman, the manuscripts were in his family. And then after he, his death, they presented him to uh, Trinity College. And in the early 80s, Brendan Branagh, the great collector, uh, who was actually an amazing character, he decided that he would do some work. Now, he'd, be, he'd been very interested in the manuscripts and, uh, and then he decided that he would do work. But unfortunately, Branagh, uh, Brendan Branagh died in 1985 before he could finish. And um, then... Uh, Hugh Shields, who was a lecturer actually in, in Trinity College, took up the mantle and with ITMA, Irish Traditional Music Archives, they took on the job to publish. And of course, with Nicholas Carlin's help. So they decided then that they publish these tunes. And that was in 1998, I think, when the first volume came out. So they published those and, and kind of went from there, you know. And uh, actually, you can see a lot of those tunes and they're written out on the Irish Tradition Music Archive website if anyone wants to have a look at the, the written versions of them. Um, well, look, it's a fascinating uh, look look back into oh, more than 150 years ago in, in Munster and into the music being played. And it's fantastic to hear it being brought to life here on the, the new CD tunes, more tunes from the Goodman Collection. Mick O'Brien, thank you very much for uh, joining us on The Rolling Wave. It'll be a while before you're gigging this, but uh, I look forward to it when you get the chance to, to get out again and uh, hopefully that won't be too long <laughs> so congratulations and thanks very much Thanks a million Aoife listening to the Rolling Wave podcast. For rights reasons, the music here is shorter than in the original broadcast. So if you'd like to hear the full versions, you can go to rte.ie forward slash radio one forward slash the rolling wave. And a shorter edition of this interview was first broadcast on the 24th of January 2021. Till the next time, Gurumila Mahagi, Agasla.